two men were walking through a field one day and they spotted an enraged bull. And I can imagine what kind of feeling would go through your mind and your heart when you see an enraged bull. And so instantly they darted toward the nearest fence and the storming bull uh, followed in hot pursuit. And it was soon apparent they were not going to make it. And terrified, the one shouted to the other, put up a prayer, John, we're in for it. John answered, I can't. I've never made a public prayer in my life. But you must, he said. The bull is catching up on us. All right, panted John. I'll say the only prayer I know, the one my father used to repeat at the table. Oh, Lord, for what we're about to receive, make us truly thankful. I wonder, what does it take to get us to be thankful? What does it take to get us to be grateful? What does it take to get us to be thankful to the Lord? Which do we express more? Gratitude or grumbling? Which do we express more? An unknown author penned the following words. Today upon a bus, I saw a lovely maid with golden hair. I envied her. She seemed so gay and how I wished I were so fair. When suddenly she rose to leave, I saw her hobble down the aisle. She had one foot and wore a crutch, but as she passed, a smile. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two feet. The world is mine. And when I stopped to buy some sweets, the lad who served me had such charm. He seemed to radiate good cheer. His manner was so kind and warm. I said, it's nice to deal with you. Such courtesy I seldom find. He turned and said, oh, thank you, sir. And then I saw that he was blind. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two eyes. The world is mine. Then when walking down the street, I saw a child with eyes of blue. He stood and watched the others play. It seemed he knew not what to do. I stopped a moment. Then I said, why don't you join the others, dear? He looked ahead without a word. And then I knew he could not hear. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. I have two ears. The world is mine with feet to take me where I'd go with eyes to see the sunsets glow with ears to hear what I would know. I am blessed indeed. The world is mine. Oh, God, forgive me when I whine. Oh, beloved, how much do we take things for granted? How much God has blessed us. Now, obviously, our thoughts this morning are upon Thanksgiving. As Thanksgiving is this week. And you know what? That's good. We need a holiday to remind us to be thankful. We need a special day set aside on the calendar to remind us to be uh, uh, thanking the Lord for all of his goodness and all of his blessing. But you probably notice, like I have, uh, that Thanksgiving by a lot of people is pretty much bypassed. Or at least just given a nod and a wink as we hurl our way toward Christmas. No time to count our blessings while we're making our uh, Black Friday shopping list or our Cyber Monday plans or small business Saturday route or Taco Tuesday menu or whatever special day it is to do something, buy something or run exhausted through. Uh, no time to uh, uh, take time to stop and count our blessings. So many people are exhausted and they're stressed and they're stretched and they're broke and they're about to come apart. Why? Because they want more. More, you know, the advertisers, the commercials, the sales ads, what do they shout at us? They shout at us. You need more. And after you get some more, you need some more and more and more. But what we really need, beloved, 
If we boil it all down, what we really need is we need gratitude and we need contentment. That's what we need. Now, I appreciate what Ray Pritchard wrote about this, about this idea of contentment. He said many people are confused about contentment, thinking that it means having what you want. He said nothing could be further from the truth. Contentment is not having what you want, but wanting what you already have. Contentment is a matter of understanding how much you already have. Contentment is realizing that you're better off the way you are right now. Contentment is realizing how much God has blessed you and how much you have right now. And he's right. I got to thinking about it. What we need is not only thanksgiving. We need thanks living. That is, our lives need to be filled day in and day out with thankfulness and gratefulness. We need to be characterized, characterized by thanks living to fill our days with gratitude and praise. So this morning, I want to help us to do that. Would you open your Bible, please, to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs, chapter 15. Proverbs is a wonderful book in the Bible, and I'd encourage you to get in there and to, to look at that. And you take about a chapter a day and go through the book of Proverbs if you want to read through Proverbs. But Proverbs, chapter 15. And I want to help us today to develop thanks living and to become people characterized by thanks living and uh, to be grateful and be praising and to spend a few moments together thinking about how God has blessed us in so many ways. So just two verses in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 15, and we're going to be looking at verses 16 and 17. Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17. Here's what the word of God says. Proverbs 15, verses 16 and 17. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf and hatred. Now, you notice right away, beloved, and we're going to unpack those verses today. You notice right away a contrast is set down in each one of those verses. It says better is than better is than. So a contrast. And there are two main truths I want to impress upon your heart this morning from these two verses. Number one, we need to realize that having the Lord, having the Lord is better than having riches. Having the Lord is better than having riches. Look at verse 16 again. You have two extremes set down in verse 16. You have the extreme of little and you have the extreme of great treasure. Better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Now, given the choice between those two extremes, little or great treasure, most folks would choose which one? Great treasure. Yeah. Give me the money, honey. I mean, I'll take that extreme. I don't want the little. I want the great treasure. And they think that they're truly better off. But, beloved, not necessarily. You can be the richest person in all the world, but if you don't have the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a pauper. The Lord Jesus said in Luke twelve fifteen, he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. And so we can be the, uh, the richest of the rich, but really be poor if we don't have Jesus. But likewise, you can be the poorest of the poor. But if you have the Lord Jesus, beloved, you have everything. You see, beloved, the Lord is our greatest treasure. The Lord is our greatest treasure. So the first question each one of us needs to settle in our own mind and heart is, do you have Jesus? Do you have the Lord Jesus? The Bible declares that all have sinned. All have done wrong. We've broken God's law. 
The Bible teaches that this sin has separated us from a holy and righteous God. And our sin must be dealt with. But God in love sent his son. We're about to celebrate that next month. He sent his son to live as the perfect God and perfect man joined in the flesh. To live a sinless, perfect life. And then to voluntarily lay his life down on an old rugged cross for us. To shed his precious blood. And he did that. And he was buried and he rose again victorious. And because he lives, we can have eternal life. If we'll repent, if we'll turn from our sin and place our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, he will forgive us, pardon us, cleanse us and make us new. Give us a home in heaven. Make us a child in God. So, friend, I ask you today, has there ever been a time in your life where you received the Lord Jesus Christ? If so, you are rich. If so, you have everything. If not, beloved, no matter what the world may say, no matter what your bank account may say or your possessions, you are poor if you don't have the Lord Jesus. And I would encourage you today to repent of your sin and place your faith in Jesus Christ. And when you have him, you have riches beyond measure. We are given spiritual blessings and these spiritual blessings. They cannot be lost. They cannot be stolen. They cannot be taken away. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. And what this verse in Proverbs is saying is this. Better to have the Lord and be poor than to be rich and not have the Lord. That's what it's saying. Having the Lord is better than having riches. That's why George Beverly Shea used to sing that old song. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather be his than have riches untold. I'd rather have Jesus than houses or lands. I'd rather be led by his nail pierced hand than to be the king of a vast domain or be held in sin's dread sway. I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. Having the Lord is better than having riches. But don't misunderstand the passage. I want to throw out a a clarifying thing and a caution to you. The writer here is not condemning riches. And the writer here is not even condemning rich people. There are godly rich people in our world. There are godly rich men and women in our world. And there are godly rich people in the Bible. And if I could just be quite frank with you this morning... Based upon world standards, every person in this room is rich. You say, well, I don't feel rich. Well, you compare yourself to other Americans. But if you look at the world at large, we're all rich. And so he's not saying that if God has blessed you, you're you're worse off or, or you're bad or anything. He's bringing forth a contrast here. Better is than. So don't misunderstand that. Better to be poor and know Jesus than to be rich and not know Jesus. Having the Lord is better than having riches. It says that great treasure can bring trouble. Did you notice better is a little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure with trouble. Now, trouble there can carry the meaning in the Hebrew of dismay or confusion or panic or even anxiety. And great treasure or great riches or great possessions can bring along with it trouble. And that's true for the ungodly person. And it can be true for the godly person. When stuff begins to multiply. Did you know stuff often leads to trouble? You know what stuff is, right? We got lots of stuff, don't we? Uh, We all could probably go home today and get up in the attic or out in the garage or 
There we open a closet door and we're confronted with lots of stuff. We look around, there's lots of stuff. Stuff leads to work, does it not? And the more stuff you have, the more you have to care for that stuff. You have to clean the stuff and maintain the stuff and ensure the stuff against loss and fix the stuff when it breaks and secure the stuff. And worst of all, you have to dust the stuff. The first amen some people have ever said in Red Hill. Amen. Amen. Stuff leads to trouble. Stuff leads to work. And so we have all this stuff and all the trouble that it brings. And what do we very wise people go out and do? We go out and get more stuff to add to the stuff we already have so we can clean more stuff and dust more stuff and give her more stuff. And great riches leads to trouble. (laughs) And you know what happens? Even those of us who know the Lord, our stuff, the very blessings of God, if we're not careful, they can begin to distract us from the God who gave it to us. We can get so tied up with the giver or with the gift rather than the giver of the gift. I remember reading a story years ago. I don't know where, don't know when, but I never forgot what the story was about. It was about a man who was really frustrated, just put out and upset He was frustrated because he had to board a plane and fly out to some place to take care of his vacation home. And he was upset about that. Now, the man's got a vacation home, but he's just so frustrated and flustered because he has to take his precious time and go care for his vacation home. We may think we own the stuff, but in reality, if we're not careful, it may just own us. Sometimes the stuff owns us. Proverbs 15, 16 says, better is a little... With the fear of the Lord, then great treasure with trouble. We need contentment and gratitude. We need to enjoy the stuff the Lord's already given us. You know that? The Lord's given us a lot of stuff and we have to thank God for it. He's blessed us with a lot of physical things, yes, but also the spiritual blessings. We need to begin enjoying God's good gifts. And especially enjoying those good gifts that we do not have to pay for and that we cannot buy. Margaret Sangster said it this way, for the days when nothing happens, for the cares that leave no trace, for the love of little children, for each sunny dwelling place, for the altars of our fathers and the the closets where we pray, take, O gracious God and Father, praises this Thanksgiving day. For our harvest safe and gathered, for our golden store of wheat, for the bowers and the vinelands, for the flowers upspringing sweet, for our coast from want protected, for each inland river bay, by the bounty full and flowing, take our praise this joyous, joyful day. For the hours when heaven is nearest and the earth mood does not cling, for the very gloom oft broken by our looking for the king, by our thought that he is coming. For our courage on the way, take, O friend, unseen eternal praises this Thanksgiving day. We need to be a thankful people. Now, we know already from this passage that having the Lord is better than having riches. But notice a second truth with the next verse, and it's this. Having love is better than having luxury. Having love is better than. Than having luxury. And it's interesting, as you look at verse 15 and then to verse 16, it seems we move from looking at our relationship with God to looking at our relationship with our loved ones and our family. Now, look at verse 17 again. It takes us to the kitchen table. And a lot in here love to go to the kitchen table, don't you? 
And I want you to notice what it says about the kitchen table in verse 17. Better is a dinner of herbs. Or some would say it herbs. Better is a dinner of herbs where love is than a fatted calf with hatred. Listen to it in the New Living Translation, the NLT. A bowl of vegetables with someone you love is better than steak with someone you hate. (laughs) Now we have two, we have a contrast again, two extremes. We have cabbage on this side and we had a porterhouse on the other. Now, which would most people choose? Yeah, pass the A1 and make my potato loaded. I mean, bring on the porterhouse and the baked potato and all the fixings. But which which is really better? Now, please understand, it's not the meal in question. You can eat cabbage to the glory of God and enjoy it. You can eat a steak and enjoy it. It's not the meal in question. This is a contrast. It's the atmosphere. You can enjoy steak or greens with someone you love. But here it's pointing out better to have a simple meal of vegetables where love is present than to enjoy gourmet food where there is hate. Someone summarized it this way. These verses, the Lord and love can make life good even when there is little money and simple food. It's the Lord and love that makes the difference. You're better off having collard greens with your loving family than enjoying prime rib with people that you can't stand and they can't stand you. Now, beloved, it's a contrast here. Love is better than luxury. And these verses remind us, if you have the love of the Lord, he loves you and you love him. We know he loves you, but if you love him, you know him. If you have the love of the Lord and you have the love of your family, let me just go ahead and let you know and remind you, you are rich. Let me just say that again because I don't think that registered. If you have the love of the Lord and love of your family, you are rich. You're wealthy beyond measure. And you know what? You ought not to be ashamed of that kind of love. That kind of love. You ought to rejoice in that. You ought to let people know just how rich you are in Christ. That you know the Lord and you love the Lord and he loves you. That you love your family and they love you. You don't have to be like the little child who gave a politically correct Thanksgiving report. (laughs) Think about that. A politically correct Thanksgiving report. And this little fourth grader, he he wrote out this report. He stood up to give his report concerning the origins of the Thanksgiving holiday. And here's how his report began. The pilgrims came here seeking freedom from you know what. When they landed, they gave thanks to you know who. And because of them, we can worship each Sunday, you know where. And that was his politically correct Thanksgiving. You don't have to be like that. You can rejoice in the goodness of the Lord. And beloved, you can have the fatted calf. But if you have to eat it surrounded by hatred, it's going to give you indigestion anyway. Think about it. Uh, Proverbs 17, one says pretty much the same thing. Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. You see, the man or woman who has the Lord Jesus as their savior has a family that they love and, and they love him. They don't need the finest foods. 
They realize they're already rich beyond measure. They realize they're already blessed beyond measure. And you know what? Cabbage and collard greens and mustard greens, if you dare eat those, all those things, they taste a whole lot better when surrounded by love and laughter and conversation and the joy of your loving family. You don't have to have the porterhouse. You don't have to have the steak. It's the atmosphere. It's the love. Now, I realize there may be some today saying, you know, I don't even have the love of my family. Maybe your family is deserted. I've got good news for you. If you know the Lord Jesus, you've got a heavenly family. And you've got a father that loves you. And you've got a church family. Because we didn't even talk about the church family and the love we have there. And so they'll rise up and be your family. Now, I need to tell you, beloved, we need to learn to want what we already have. To be content. We need to move from grumbling to gratitude. We need to practice thanks living. Now, Madison Avenue won't tell you that. Walmart won't tell you that. Uh, Target won't tell you that. Amazon won't tell you that. I'm in, I'm in the country. Tractor Supply won't tell you that. Uh, they won't tell you that you have enough. They won't tell you to be content. They won't tell you to be a person of gratitude. But I'm here to tell you, and the Bible tells us, that having the Lord is better than having riches, and having love is better than having luxury. That's what the Bible teaches. And here's the question. What is it going to take us to get to the point where we praise and thank the Lord? Is it going to take a charging bull? After us to, to get us to praise the Lord and thank him. Or are we going to just stop for a moment and begin counting our blessings? The old song is right. We're going to sing it in a moment. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And it will surprise you what the Lord hath done. But you know what? We've got to stop for a moment to count the blessings, don't we? Well, it's hard to count the blessings on the run to the store. It's hard to count the blessings we're making on our list. We've got to stop and say, Lord, thank you. And begin to think about how he's blessed us. Some years ago in Germany, a young man was laying upon an operating table in the hospital. The few places that people want to be, that's one of them, to say the least. And a skilled surgeon was standing by this young man, and a group of students were around him. Bending over the patient, the surgeon said to him, My friend, if you wish to say anything, you now have the opportunity. But I must warn you that your words will be the last words you will ever utter. You see, this poor young man laying on that operating table had cancer of the tongue. He said, think well, the surgeon said, think well before, therefore, what you wish to say. Now, you can readily imagine putting yourself on that table in that young man's position that a statement such as that would give you time to pause and think very carefully. The young man waited, apparently lost, deep in thought, thinking about what his very last words he would ever speak upon the earth would be. And a deep solemnity settled over the faces of the onlookers. What words would he choose for such occasion? The medical students there bent forward eagerly and some time passed. And finally the lips of that patient parted. And at the sound of this young man's voice, you could see tears begin to well up and swim in the eyes of those who were present. That young patient about to lose the ability to speak, he said just four words. And his four words were these. Thank God, Jesus Christ. Thank God, Jesus Christ. The last words he ever spoke. 
Beloved, let's use our tongues to praise the Lord, to thank Him. We don't have to look far. We don't have to work real hard at it. We just look around and the blessings are overflowing. Then we begin to go to God's word and we begin to look at the spiritual blessings he's given us. Then we begin to read about heaven. and What Jesus did for us. And he's preparing a place for us. And he's coming to get us. We're going to spend eternity with him. And those loved ones who knew the Lord have gone before us. They're there now rejoicing with him. And one day we'll see them again. One day we'll see Jesus. Beloved, all I can say this morning is what that young man said. Thank God. Jesus Christ. Amen. Father. Forgive us. Forgive us for our grumbling and our mumbling and our whining and our complaining and our ingratitude and our rotten attitudes. Forgive us for taking for granted all the glorious blessings you have poured upon us. Father, help us to develop a life of thanks living where every day is characterized with thankfulness and gratefulness and praise. Father, thank you for making us rich. We know it doesn't matter what our bank statement shows. If we have Jesus, we have everything we need. Lord, I pray there might be someone here today who they are struggling Would you wrap your loving arms around them? Would you lift their heart to you? Would you begin to reveal to them just how much you love them? All that you've done for them and are doing for them and will do for them. Would you encourage their heart? And then, Lord, for those of us who we look around and we have a family that loves us and we love them. We have a Father in heaven who loves us and we love him. And we're blessed in so many ways. Lord, would you help us to freely share that testimony? Not in an arrogant way, not in a proud way, because we know we're not worthy of any of that. But in a grateful, thankful way, seeking to point others to you. May we share freely just how good you've been to us as we share the gospel. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you help us father to take the time. Today and this week. To count our blessings. And name them one by one. And give the praise to you. That is due to you. For you alone are worthy. And we ask this in Jesus name. And for his sake. Amen. And amen. You'll find that song on your song sheet. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Let's stand and sing that today. It's a hymn of praise to the Lord with thankful hearts. Let's stand together and sing. When upon life's billows you are tempest lost.
Jesus Christ. Amen.